the Durham MBA. And he is a, um, as well as that, a chartered director, consults now on strategy and, and writes on it. So, so you are the person we want, Simon. So enough of this nonsense from me. It's you they've come to hear. Thank you very much, Simon. Any thanks ever so. Um, good day, everybody. Uh, it's lovely to see uh, former colleagues, uh, former, uh, former students and, and friends as well. Um, I hope life is treating you all really well. So over the next uh, few minutes, what I plan to do uh, is, is to look at where strategy fits with current times. So the element of making strategic decisions in times of uncertainty. Um, in terms of the session, uh, I'm going to be talking about six things. Uh, there they are sitting on the screen. And the other thing I'm going to do, if I can uh, faff with my chat box, I'm going to see if in a moment or two, I'll do, do it a bit um, as we go through, um, I will see if I can upload my slides into, yeah, into, yeah, okay. So sitting into the chat box is the, the PDF of the deck we're going to use. So if you want to download it, there it is. Um, I'm going to look at the six ideas. Um, I'm going to go through, hopefully, at pace on this. Uh, and the reason being, after we cover the six ideas, I'm going to hand over to you. Uh, a bit of time, as Penny said, in breakout discussions to look at the implications on um, your own organization, your own leadership position. Um, so without further ado, the, the six ideas is as follows. Um, I think we'd all be familiar uh, that strategy involves a couple of things and in contemporary times, a third ingredient. Uh, when we do strategy, we need ourselves a compass. Um, strategy really doesn't work unless you've got some idea of uh, your destination. Uh, so knowing what you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to do it uh, is uh, central to strategic decision. Uh, and the next idea, as well as a compass in your hand, um, strategy is always about the radar. Uh, and the radar means that you're trying to pick stuff up before it hits you. And here's the first of the ideas for decision-making in times of uncertainty. It's called the successor question. And the challenge for strategy is we run organizations, all types of things are coming at us. And your real quality is, can you stand back from the here and now and have that helicopter position? So you pick up the ripples uh, before they have the chance to have adverse effect. And that's sensing stuff externally, obviously, and sensing stuff in internally, of course. Uh, but the succession question is this, no matter what's kicking off, in the here and now. Uh, strategy, as we'd appreciate, all it is a culmination of lots and lots of decisions, micro decisions. Whenever you make a decision, ask yourself the successor question, which is, what would my successor wish I decided today? So in five years time, I hope all of us are not doing what we're doing today. We've gone on to different, better, greater things. Uh, and in our chair will be our successor. And the successor question, let's think about whenever we make strategic decisions, the radar long-term. Um, the ingredient at the bottom, the dance, um, means that uh, having done compass and having sensed it on the radar, how we choreograph an organization to respond. Uh, we'll say a little bit more about that. But um, the next thread is um, a metaphor you've probably come across. Um, there's the source of it. Um, Management calls this the elephant in the room. Strategists refer to it as the gray rhino. 
and the encouragement here is despite uncertainty, there are several big things that are moving, not necessarily with glacial pace, um, but with predictable dynamics. Um, and the gray rhino is called a gray rhino like the elephant in the room. And sometimes we choose to ignore. So here's point number two. Uh, be honest about the situation and what the phrase go with the flow uh, would be familiar to everybody. Swim against the tide, if you will, uh, but big, mon big lungs, big muscles must come your way. Now, let's put a twist on this one. And it's what's called the importance of the literal. Um, some years ago, I attended um, a presentation by um, an American-based uh, consumer behaviorist. He had us all in a lecture theater wearing 3D specs, looking at his slides, and he polarized opinion. I liked him. And one of the things he said, if you're looking for commercial opportunity or threat, don't look at the land, don't look at the sea. The land is your domain, it's well understood, it's well charted, there's no fresh opportunity. The sea is over there, it's not yours, but it looks vast and it looks right for the picking. But it's not until you get into it, you realize the sea has its own ecosystem. And the literal is that very interesting place where worlds collide, where the land and the sea meet. So when you do the gray rhino stuff, and when you look at these uh, me mega trends, um, the opportunity is not the trend itself, but the combination of trends. Uh, for example, we'd all be familiar with the term fintech. It is neither finance, neither is it technology. It is where the land of finance meets the sea of technology. So, okay, let's continue. Once we know there's a whole bunch of stuff that's probably gonna happen. And uh, this is my five digits of one hand. Um, and I've run them past several of my clients and my clients are thinking about this with their strategy. It's really hard to ignore any of these. So the cybersecurity digitization agenda, climate change, the move from ownership to rental. Uh, so don't own the asset, enjoy the experience, uh, aging demographics and globalization of the world. These are the mega trends. And perhaps what we do as strategists is okay, yes, it's uncertainty, but there are certain things are rock solid. Now you can see the reference on the screen, probably the most engaging book I read over the past couple of years in strategy, Rita McGrath, Sing Round Corners, what a lovely title. So she says, what you do is when people make decisions, we often seek sufficient clarity and confidence in the information to make a call. So when we apply radar, typically we want the strength of the information to be strong enough for us to decide. So the signal strength is typically based on, okay, on, okay, it's looking strong. That vertical axis is about the signal strength uh, and has got a function of time. So the longer you wait, the clearer the information typically, the more confidence in the decision. But McGraw goes on to make this point that in life, as in business, the longer you wait, the clearer the information, the less freedom of movement you've got. Uh, because all the other stakeholders are probably coming to the same conclusion. So you can make a decision confidently, but your freedom of movement is curtailed. Now, sometimes we do that deliberately. Sometimes we do kick a can down the road, uh, and that is deliberately uh, to allow stakeholders to assimilate perspectives. So they are pushing, we are pushing it against an open door with them. But this is McGrath's opportunity, which is if we typically wait for there to make a decision, why don't we make it then?
Because if we make it then, we are going a little bit more at risk, and we know strategy and risk are great bedfellows, um, but we are also thinking of the ability to have a greater freedom of movement. So it's unfashionable at the moment to um, draw accolades towards Jeff Bezos, but I will do. And if you are going to make calls earlier to give yourself freedom, a leaf out of Jeff Bezos's book goes a long way. And you may have seen the letter to the shareholders, which heralds the distinction between type one and type two decisions. And Rita McGrath loves it too. And she says this, when you're dealing with uncertainty, don't bet the house. What you do, if it is a decision of um, based on information with which you are fairly confident within your risk appetite and, uh, and tolerance, you're probably going to make a type one decision. It's like going into a room, and once you're in the room, you can't get out. Uh, it sounds a bit brutal, but as we know, life and strategy is all about commitment. If you commit, you tend to get better. Um, but the tentativeness is what's called a type two decision. And if you want 100% confidence to make a type one, because the type two is reversible, once you're in the room, you can come out again, you don't need the clarity of information. So if we come back to Rita McGrath, her book, Seeing Around Corners, if we think about the gray rhinos and we think about the melding of these trends, the literal, um, our calls then, uh, what are we going to bet on type one? This is where we are going to commit. And to use McGrath's language, instrument the edges of your business model. What does that mean? It means figure out how you experiment, commercialize, test, not betting the house or betting the farm, but working around the fringes of your business model. And when we say instrument and you are unsure, Ask yourself this question, build scenarios. And we know uncertainty is all about scenarios. And when you craft your scenarios, instrument the edges by saying, for this scenario to be real, what would need to be true? And all you need to do is put two or three metrics in place, track them, and you get almost a crystal ball that helps you think about the degree uh, of foresight you might have. So, okay, let's take stock. Uh, what we've said, the successor question is paramount in strategy. Whatever call we make, we're thinking about who sits in our chair five years' time. That encourages us to be future-focused, and that's what strategy is all about. Uh, and the second point I'm making, it is all about the literal and how you work with grey rhinos, and that spills over into this idea of uh, a type one and a type two decision. Um, the next point I wish to make, um, it relates to... Um, a type three in decision-making, and it's called a type three error. Uh, this is not Jeff Bezos, uh, but the more academic perspective of research into decision-making. And a type three error is when you come with the right answer, but to the wrong question. If you want examples, think no further than Kodak. And the reason I'm mentioning it in the reason of uncertainty is because when you look at the way that boards of directors behave, quite often there are three things which get in the way of making good decisions. And they get in the way 
because they give assumptions which are false. First is what's called path dependency. So if you're on a trajectory, it tends to put the blinkers on. The second one is sunk cost. We spent a load of money on this, therefore we need to commit to doing it further. And the third one um, is your results. And what I mean by results is the more powerful your financial performance is at any moment in time, the weaker tends to be the strategic decision-making because you think you have nailed it. Go back a decade and a bit, there was research in motion, there was BlackBerry. The biggest problem that organization faced in the mid noughties was where to position the buckets to catch the dollars raining from the sky. Ditto Nokia. So you get the point that when your results and performance is strongest, there is complacency that sets in and you tend then to frame your decision-making on assumptions which are ill-founded. Kodak didn't challenge the assumption that human beings would wish to print out pictures because the money shot in digital for Kodak, as we know, was printing the consumables, the printers, paper, ink, and such like. So types of decisions. Type one, go into the room, commit, but only when you're confident. How to work with earlier made decisions, make them reversible, instrument the edges. It's a no-blame culture on this one. Uh, you're not betting the farm, and you're tracking these scenarios. And type three, just be careful um, of your backstory, your path dependency, your sunk cost, and your results. They tend to create erroneous assumptions. So you'll get the right answer, but to the wrong question in the first place. Okay, let's continue. Um, if the world of the grey rhino is all about having scenarios based around our uh, melding of our trends, um, which we've looked at, the world of the black swan has a very different form of strategic response. Um, those of you who are students of strategy uh, may be fans of Don Sol, Donald Sol. Um, and Don, as a very practical um, researcher, um, he, in one of his books, did a lovely book, a lovely chart of heavy, heavyweight boxing champions of the world. And Sol is a leading light in the area of strategic agility. And the point he makes in the book is this. You look at some heavyweight boxing champions and they won world title for being gifted fighters, quick hands, quick feet, dance around the ring, all that kind of stuff. And that is the qualities of organizations which are designed to be agile. We have quick hands, we have quick feet, we dance around the ring. But Sol also said that some people won world titles in boxing by being lumbering giants of flesh and muscle standing there in the ring, round after round, soaking up the punches from the opponent and tiring the opponent out. And then flattening the opponent in the 11th round with a haymaker the opponent saw three rounds before, but was unable to get out of the way. And Sol says, okay, in boxing, there are these two styles. You are the lumbering giant, or you're sometimes the, uh, the, 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 the nimble, talented technical boxer. But he says, when you do agile strategy, you need both qualities. You need to be able to dance around that ring, but you also need to be able to take a blow. Because, okay, we're very familiar with uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb's popularization 
of Black Swan. John Stuart Mill, the philosopher, um, was the first person to coin the phrase. Um, but we get that the world will continue to introduce us to black swans. And try as we might, we rationalize with hindsight and we think we could have seen it, we delude ourselves. Take a leaf out of Don Sol's book and make sure your business models have contingencies. You need to be able to take a blow. So unless your reserves, unless your war chest is strong enough, we tend to find we have the situations where we're unable to take a blow. Now, those of us who worked together before, you know, I sit on boards of organizations. I had a very fortunate experience through COVID. Um, and this is not to trivialize anything to do with the pandemic, but um, I'm the non-executive chairman of a bus company up here in Scotland. And um, we went into the pandemic with a stack of cash, not because we had brilliant strategic foresight and we predict the pandemic and we needed a stack of cash, is because our entire fleet is diesel. And so we know in terms of going genuinely uh, into the environmental movement, uh, we are going to replace all of our diesel buses by electric. Those of you with a feel for the sector know that costs an absolute fortune. So the past three years, we have been generating surpluses and just hanging on to them. Now that enabled us to keep people on the payroll, to look after the staff, not because we we're brilliant strategists and leaders, because we were lucky. So there's a lesson that I taught myself here. Uh, there's a lesson I'm sharing with you. Um, when you deal with black swans, you can't predict the things, delude ourselves if you think you can with hindsight, have the contingency in place. Of course, it's gonna hurt dividends. Of course, it's gonna make your reserves look rich. But uh, few of us uh, would consider going forward in times of uncertainty, there will be fewer black swans. Okay, folks, uh, we're coming towards the end. Um, quick hands, quick feet, what does it mean? Uh, if you're gonna make strategic decisions and uncertainty, give your organization a little bit of a steer, keep your core light and lean. You've got reserves, but it doesn't mean to say uh, you, you are expensive to run. Uh, lower the center of gravity decisions. Uh, so people lower down, make bigger calls, give them some guidelines on this one, as well as the empowerment. Be able to fling those resources around quick and be able to use other people's resources. So get good at working in partnership. Uh, it's not blame, it's enterprising, uh, knowing when to get into sectors, knowing where to get out. And this is a mantra of contemporary strategy. You don't create a strategy and follow it. Uh, you behave strategically. Strategy, I know I'm not being correct here. Strategy is a verb rather than a noun. So this is what agility looks like and feels like. Right, final point, then I'm going to hand over to yourself. And the final point is this. Um, the opportunity presented itself three weeks ago. And um, I've got a brother and sister who I love to bits. I've got a mum, my dad might, died many years ago, and my mum is still mobile, just. And when we get together, which we did for the first time three weeks ago, after a whole bunch of pandemic where none of that was permissible, uh, we go over to the little Italian restaurant which is 50 meters from my mum's home. Um, you probably have favorite dining places. And if your favorite dining place is like 
our Italian restaurant, uh, it's not the best food of the world, but that ain't the point. Uh, you go in there, you're recognized, it's familiar territory. We know the menu inside out. The food is perfectly pleasant. The, 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 the wine and refreshments great. The staff are wonderful and it's a super night out. And, and that's what we do. Um, so the point that I'm coming around to uh, was illuminated uh, by Phil Rosenweg, who said that when you make decisions in strategy, it ain't like going to a restaurant. And here's why. When we go to our little Italian, uh, we go through the ritual of having the menu in front of us or the last time on our phones, looking at it and then deciding what we're going to eat. And I could make a decision between going for uh, the lasagna or going for the seafood gnocchi. Now, I've had lasagna many times at this little Italian and I've had the seafood gnocchi many times. They are both great. Um, but the point about this is, Rogan Rosenzig's point is, I can make a decision. I can do all the analysis I wish, but once I've decided, it is out of my hands. And it's in the hands of the kitchen staff. Um, when we make strategic decisions, it ain't like that. Because you'll be familiar with the phrase uh, popularized by Sheryl Sandberg about leaning in. Because when you make a decision in strategy, yes, you choose lasagna, but you then go into the kitchen and help the chef. Because a decision in strategy doesn't end with the decision, you can make the outcome better. If you want it to succeed, you can probably figure out a way to help it succeed. If your decision is lukewarm, then you can probably feel a way of going and playing lip service to it. So from a practical point of view, uh, when I've got my consulting hat on and I'm working with the board of directors, I'm really, really interested in the decision that people seem to be committed to. And it might be suboptimal compared to the other options, but Rosenbig's point is in strategy, you make decisions, but once that decision, you have tremendous utility over the quality of the outcome. You can go into that kitchen and you can help the chef prepare a world-class lasagna if you want to. So what does that mean for us? Here's my summary. Six things to think about with your own organization. Some of you I know and some I don't. But think about your own position as leaders, as strategists, in your organization and think about how well your organization currently makes calls in times of uncertainty. What I've tried to do is share with you over a few minutes, the stuff that I talk to my boards about when I've got my consulting hat on. And it is there to designed to help directors who are legally in the frame for being the custodians of organizations do things better. Do these things give you perfection? Of course they don't, but they might help. So let's do the summary. Point number one, strategy is a function of three things. Be clear on what it is you want and who you are. Have the mechanisms for sensing, so the radar, you're looking internally and externally, and the point is you're seeing it before it hits you. And when you meld those two together, so your radar and your compass, and you make decisions, whatever those decisions are, 
ask yourself, what would my successor wish me had decided today? Five years hence, your successors in your chair, what would they have wished you had decided when they look back? Okay, and that will help you separate and look objectively, uh, try and strip out personality, try and slip, strip out the whole messiness of bias that uh, we know. Then design your organization for generating value. This is about the dance. Think of agile strategy. What does that mean? Lower the center of gravity decision-making, give people the clues, have that war chest. Um, we were talking about the black swan side of things. Get good at the idea of using other people's resources. And so you are dancing around the ring. There are certain things in the world that is hard to counter. Very few would best against the ascendancy of uh, cyber invasion and the growth of cyber security. Very few would bet against the aging of the population. Uh, my clients in financial services are wrestling what, what to do with the gap between retirement and death and the, and fend, uh, and the funding of uh, non-work non, non income. Um, so what to do with gray rhinos? Look at the interaction between the rhinos rather than the trends individually. The term the literal, the coming together of land or lands and sea is where the interesting stuff really, really is. And what's it got you appreciation of those two different types of decisions on that? What does that mean? Bet with confidence when it is within your risk appetite and tolerance, and then go earlier. Uh, use Rita McGrath's view, go earlier. You need 70%, not 100% of clarity. But once you're into the room, keep your hand on the door, get out of it. And this is the way we mobilize um, value in times of uncertainty. Okay, sense check for any leadership team is this, the type three error. It killed Kodak, as we know. And the type three error, you get the right answer, but you've asked the wrong question. Uh, so strategy is all about assumptions. And the three things in my experiences that tend to get in the way here is the idea of path dependency, sunk cost, and our ability to believe that once the results are strong, we have come up with a magic formula. Your financial results are a legacy. It's all about the decisions you made in the past and the benevolence of the environment. Um, how to counter type three error, get your leaders out of the village. Uh, get people experiencing travel, virtual or physical, does us so much good in terms of freshness of perspective, appreciation of different cultures and different jurisdictions. Get your leaders out of the village. Black swans, uh, we like to think uh, that with hindsight, uh, we could have seen it. and We'd like to think we can sharpen the act and we can maybe get a, be, be getting better at this. But let's look at strategy. There will be more black swans what to do, uh, have the money in the bank, have the war chest there, which means if you are in the field of traded profit, your duty as a director is to look at the success of the organization for the benefit of its members. Um, um, and so if your organization crashes and burns in the next 12 months, you've probably done the wrong thing for leadership. So there's some awkward discussion, strategy is a wicked problem, there's no perfect solution, and we know what that means. And then finally, um, I'm looking forward to the next time that I'm with my brother, my sister, and my mum, and we have the opportunity to go across the road to the wee Italian restaurant, um, thinking of it as I speak. But the point is here, it's a different type of decision. 
it ain't like choosing rice or pasta in a supermarket. It's not shall I do pizza or shall I do spaghetti bolognese. You make a choice in strategy and you can really influence its success. So be mindful with your leaders uh, about where the appetite is to go forward. So this is where I hand over to you. And with Julie's help, what we're going to do is this. I'm going to ask us to work in groups um, and looking at time. Um, we'll come back together at 10 minutes to the hour. So that's feeling like this is quarter of an hour. So this is about 15 minutes. And the task is this. Um, some of you will have worked together as colleagues on the MBA programs, and some of you in the breakout rooms will be meeting new colleagues. I'd love you to rate your organization's ability to do strategic agility around decisions and use a zero to 10 scale. Zero out of 10 is rubbish, 10 out of 10 is perfection, okay? Uh, typically, when I'm working with my clients, I ask them the same question. And the highest I've had, uh, and unsurprisingly, it was in tech, was an eight out of 10. And when I'm dealing with organizations who are in legacy sectors, that means a lot of sunk cost, uh, a lot of legacy process and culture, we typically hit the four out of 10. But the score is arbitrary. The score is about what we can do to improve things. Whether you're four out of 10, whether you're nine out of 10, there'll be highlights things that you're on top of, well done you. There'll be vulnerabilities, uh, and the vulnerabilities are areas that you know could be fixed. Now, it doesn't mean the fixes are easy, but at least think about what they might be. And so this is a question for us to reconnect with the subject of strategy, bring it into 2021. An MBA is a very practical degree, and think about the implications of contemporary strategy to our current roles how we add value as senior leaders and directors for our organizations, and if we're consultants to our clients. So you choose the organization, give it a rating, talk about the highlights and vulnerabilities, and with your colleagues, share a few views on what you could do to improve things. You may have downloaded the slide deck, uh, your memories may be good, uh, but before we go into the um, groups, I'm just gonna put this on the screen. Um, if you can't remember it, and I can't, uh, pick up a phone, just photograph it, uh, because we know when we do Zoom, uh, the slides don't readily follow into the room. So just make sure you've got a grasp of what we've been looking at. Uh, and it's now uh, via me to Julie, uh, to yourselves in breakouts, and I'll see you in quarter of an hour.